Hello, Hello Yam fam. fam, and welcome back to the Amophia Oracle. In this episode, we will be discussing the archetypal lens Okonkwo being a tragic hero. Okonkwo was clearly cut out for great things. He was still young, but he had won fame as the greatest wrestler in the nine villages. He was a wealthy farmer and he had two barns full of yams and had just married his third wife. To crown it all, he had taken two titles and had shown incredible prowess in two intertribal wars. And so, although Okonkwo was still young, he was already one of the greatest men of his time. Age was respected among his people, but achievement was revered. As the elders said, if a child washed his hands, he could eat with kings. Okonkwo had clearly washed his hands, and so he ate with kings and elders. That's an excerpt from chapter 1, page 11 and 12 of Things Fall Apart. Now, Okonkwo had made a great name for himself, as he was seen as strong and noble and was well respected in his clan. He worked hard for what he had, and everyone in his clan would agree that he was well deserving of his success. Okonkwo has values that the young boys in the clan look up to. Okonkwo is the definition of a strong man and how one should conduct himself. However, this is not to say that Okonkwo had no flaws. As we know, Okonkwo had issues containing his anger. He beat his wife and children whenever they provoked him. Okonkwo also has too much pride to ever accept that he is in the wrong. He thinks that he is because he is a respected man that he can do whatever he wants and ignore certain traditions in the clan that he thinks make him look lazy or weak. Moreover, Okonkwo often ignores the advice of his elders, and even though what they tell him will only help him in the long run, he continually does the opposite of what they tell him to do. The second excerpt is from chapter 13, pages 116 through 117. Guns fired the last salute, and the cannon rent the sky. And then from the center of the delirious fury came a cry of agony and shouts of horror. It was as if a spell had been cast. All was silent. In the center of a crowd, a boy lay in a pool of blood. It was the dead man's 16-year-old son, who with his brothers and half-brothers had been dancing in the traditional farewell to their father. Okonkwo's gun had exploded, and a piece of iron had pierced the boy's heart. The confusion that followed was without parallel in the tradition of Umofia. Violent deaths were frequent, but nothing like this had ever happened. The only course open to Okonkwo was to flee from the clan. It was a crime against the earth goddess to kill a clansman, and a man who committed it must flee from the land. The crime was of two kinds, male and female. Okonkwo had committed the female because it had been inadvertent. He could return to the clan after seven years. Okonkwo's gun misfires and kills a heavily respected elder son. This crime, while unintentional, was still seen as an abomination that would bring harm unto the clan as a whole. The clan had no choice but to exile Okonkwo. Okonkwo lost everything that he had worked so hard to gain. His huts were destroyed, his barns burned, and his livestock and yams given to others in his clan until his return. Okonkwo begins to feel so defeated that he almost loses his desire to work when he first moves to Mambanta. Okonkwo knows that as soon as he hits back, he has to have a plan in order to gain his titles and respect back. However, white missionaries arrive before he is able to return home, and they quickly begin to dissolve the clan's customs and traditions. Okonkwo, in a way, blames himself for this, claiming that if he weren't in exile, he could have stopped the white man before it was too late. But now it was already too late, and Okonkwo became increasingly frustrated with the white men and the way that they challenged the Ibu people's cultural ideas. Okonkwo feels anger and resentment as he sees fellow clansmen fall from their once-respected titles in order to join what he feels is an abomination and deeply flawed religion. Okonkwo's pride and anger is what ultimately causes his final downfall as he becomes so angry with the white men that he kills a white messenger. And the result of that is as follows. 
Then they came to the tree from which Okonkwo's body was dangling, and they stopped dead. It is an abomination for a man to take his own life. It is an offense against the earth, and a man who commits it will not be buried by his clansmen. His body is evil, and only strangers may touch it. Obrika, who had been gazing steadily at his friend's dangling body, turned suddenly to the district commissioner and said ferociously, That man was one of the greatest men in Umofia. You drove him to kill himself, and now he will be buried like a dog. He cannot say any more. His voice trembled and choked his words. This excerpt is from chapter 25 and ranges from pages 190 to 191. Okonkwo's death is both cowardly and strategic. He knows that he will be put to death because he killed a white man, and in a last-ditch effort in order to save some of his dignity and control over his life, he decides it would be better to take his own life. However, this is a cowardly action of Okonkwo because he knows how much of an abomination it is for a man to kill himself, but he did it anyway. He also knew the outcome of killing the white man and should have been prepared to accept the consequences of his actions. This action is unlike anything that we have seen in Okonkwo before. Okonkwo, while flawed and making many mistakes, by the end of the novel is one of the biggest proponents of the clan's original values. He sticks by them and is determined to have life return back to normal. The action of Okonkwo killing himself serves to relinquish him of his responsibility, as it is almost like Okonkwo is tired of being the only strong man left and cannot bear to see what life would be like as the white man's influence continues to grow. That's it for this episode of the Amofia Oracle. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.